Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now our speaker. My name is Vincent. I'm a compulsive operator. And I want to stay by saying how grateful I am to be here today. Um, Serenity Sunday was the first meeting uh, that I ever attended. And uh, being in a way and being in Serenity Sunday, it's effectively like being at home. And I'm going to tell you, you know, how it all was when it started, how the program has changed me. And today, because it's Father's Day, and uh, you know, congratulations to all the fathers and sons and daughters in the audience today. I will relate it uh, to family and to how OA and the program has actually affected my own relationship with my parents and the relationship with my kids. So to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I grew up in Spain um, in a very, very, very traditional Mediterranean home, a large house, uh, three generations under the same roof. Uh, my parents, my grandma, two great uncles, my sister, and it was a very nurturing home and everybody cared a lot for each other. And it was a, it was a nice, very, very nice childhood. My mom was to all intents and purposes, my higher power. And she really truly was. She actually is for good or for not so good, a very controlling person um, coming from a good place. That's for sure, from a place of love. Uh, and she was controlling on everything, and she was very controlling on food, which for somebody like me, I was born a compulsive overeater, I have no doubt about that. It's actually something that actually helped me a lot, because as a kid, I didn't have any weight problems. My mom decided, decided how much I had to eat, and I ate exactly what she told me to eat, and that was it. And by the way, at home, it was always the exact amount of food needed for the family and nothing else. She was... She's a very, very OCD in that regard. Anyway, when I was 90 years old, I went to visit my uh, uncle and my aunt. They live in the island of Ibiza, which is a half hour flight, so not far from here. It was the first time I actually left home without my parents, took a plane for the first time on my own, nine years old, and arrived to a place where I was totally spoiled. My mom was not there to control me. And my uncle, he would just basically buy me anything I asked, anything. So if I wanted three ice creams a day, I would have three ice creams a day. If I wanted to have hot chocolate for breakfast, I would have hot chocolate for breakfast. So effectively, it was for somebody like me, the definition, the literal definition of paradise. I was there for two weeks. And for the first time in my life, I didn't have my mom controlling what I could eat, what I could not eat. And after those two weeks, I remember going back, arriving at Valencia Airport. My mom was there waiting for me. And the first words out of her mouth were, what happened to you? Because she looked at me, and uh, I don't know how much weight a nine-year-old kid can cram in two weeks, but I can assure you, I actually crammed it all. And that was effectively the first memory I have of my disease. And the, I don't know if I don't know what to call it, happy 
happiness, but certainly the immediate gratification that uh, eating actually gave me. And then I grew up. And as you grow up, of course, your parents actually don't have as much of a hold on you. And then I continued to eat. And uh, I basically was an overweight kid until I was 15 or so. At 15, I realized that the girls were never going to come unless they actually lost weight. Uh, thank God, I actually like sports. And through pure uh, will, willpower, I actually lost a ton of weight. I lost, at 15, I lost around 40 pounds. And lo and behold, the girls came and I had a normal, you know, adolescence and it was good. But then, of course, that led into a life of yo-yo dieting. I would actually gain the weight, I would lose it, and then I would gain it again, and I would actually gain more. And I was like that until I was 45, so four or five years ago. Uh, and that was effectively until I entered the program. And it, it wasn't good. It really, really wasn't good. And it wasn't fair on the people that actually loved me. It wasn't fair that I was actually putting my, my health at risk. Uh, it wasn't good that, for example, I've been with my wife now for 26 years. I mean, we started dating when we were very young. And, um, and it's not fair on her that I would actually lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. So I'm going to show you a picture of what I look like at my top weight. And just looking at it, I think, oh, my God, this is just, um, it's crazy. This is me. Yeah, exactly. This is me at uh, 250 something pounds. And when I look at this, who is this guy, right? Now, the interesting thing is that I have serious body dysmorphia. I don't see, at the time, I did not know that I was this fat, yeah? Right now, I'm at what I think is a healthy weight. When I look at myself, I really have no, I cannot actually tell. And that's part of my disease because our disease has the manifestation in the body. Yeah, and it's certainly a disease of the body, clearly. Yeah, but it's fundamentally rooted in the mind. And that is something that it took me a long, long, long time to understand because in all other aspects of my life, I can actually control them. I can actually, you know, through willpower, I do quite okay. You know, I have a generally reasonable life and uh, I don't have the problem of being completely unable to deal with an issue like with food. You know, if you took a seven-year-old and you said, okay, you're in charge of making sure that Vincent actually eats well. That seven-year-old would have done much better than Vincent at 16, at 25, at 30, at 35, at 40. And that's not a figure of speech. That's reality. That's how insane my mind was when it came to food. So, as I said, about four or five years ago, I went to Roxbury Park. I live two streets away, so it was actually an easy thing, but I didn't even know I existed. Uh, I think it was my doctor that recommended that I go to OA because she realized that no matter what she gave me, I would actually lose weight, but then I would gain it very, very quickly. So she's smart enough uh, to realize that there has to be a better way. Yeah. And the better way is through the spiritual experience and through the steps that we have in OA. Um, I came into 
the meeting. I went to the newcomers meeting at 10 a.m. I went in there and I remember when the meeting finished, I was getting some, I was given some literature. There were a few questionnaires or at least one of them that I remember that had something like 15 points and say, okay, check this box if it applies to you. And I started checking boxes. Of the 15 boxes, I checked 14. I had done everything, everything. I was a clear case of compulsive overeating. And, and for the first time I realized that A, I was not alone. B, it's something that doctors will not cure, that um, willpower will not cure, at least not in the long run, yeah? Because I came into the rooms and I saw people that, you know, said, oh, this is X and I have been 22 years abstinent or I've been 30 something years abstinent. And all of my other friends who had problems with food, typically they went through the same process as I did, which was gain weight, lose weight, gain more, lose, gain more. That was, that was what I had seen everywhere all the time. I had never seen anybody that said, I had actually lost this weight. And then something even more intriguing. People said, I'm actually joyous and I'm free. And I said, wait, what is that? You know, what, what has food got to do with that? And I have to say, it's taken me a while to truly understand it. And I think we can all sort of understand the words, but I think it's a little bit more difficult to comprehend the actual meaning behind that. And um, I think a lot of the compulsive overeating that I have is actually rooted in fear. It's actually rooted in me not wanting to deal with reality or being afraid of reality sometimes. Wanting to think about the past, wanting to think about the future, uh, wanting the world to go in a certain way, wanting everybody to do as I thought they should actually do. And then for fear of being disappointed, not taking action, not risking, not being open to what's actually happening, not wanting to actually feel the feelings because bad feelings actually hurt, right? So why would I want to actually feel them? And food was a very, very clear way of actually alleviating in the very short term those types of, in some case, real pain, but in some other cases, it was actually even preemptive. It wasn't actually even real pain. It's, oh, what could be coming? I might as well eat, right? And the program actually gives us that freedom from not just the compulsive overeating, but the freedom from the fear, the freedom from the living in the past, the living in the future, the freedom from looking at others for the bad things that actually happened to us. And it actually gives us the freedom for us to actually take actions on the things that truly matter. I remember once somebody said, um, a thought is not an action. And the space between the thought and the action is the definition of freedom. And I thought, wow, that is really it. It's very difficult. It's almost impossible to control your first thought. But you certainly have the freedom to actually affect your action. And through the program, because we actually gain perspective, because we have tools 
we can take contrary action, we can actually call a friend, we can actually do, we can actually connect with our higher power. There's many tools that actually help us exercise that freedom that we have from taking the action of eating the first bite, taking the action of saying the wrong thing, taking the action of sitting and watching TV versus, for example, going out for a walk or going for a run or whatever it is, right? So the program actually gives us that ability. And that's something that, in truth, it took me a while to understand. What is that freedom? So I'm going to talk about two other things now. One is my connection to my higher power, and then I will finish by talking about my family, because as I said, it's Father's Day today, and we might as well. So I grew up Catholic uh, in Spain in the 1980s. Uh, being Catholic was like being a fish in the water. It was basically some society where everybody was Catholic. Everyone went to church. You know, you didn't even, I went to Catholic school. You didn't actually give it a second thought. Uh, but then as I grew and I became a teenager, I realized that there were lots of things about the Catholic church that I didn't like. Yeah. There's things that I like, by the way. I'm not saying that it's necessarily all bad, but at the time, uh, there were things that I didn't like. It's a very conservative place. It's misogynistic. It's homophobic. It can be very materialistic. I remember going to the Vatican when I was 15. I thought, oh, my God, I mean, the riches in this place. Where theoretically, we're here to serve the poor and the needy ones, right? And um, so I started to actually distance myself from my faith. I'm also a very rational person. And... Uh, and I thought, well, you know, this thing about God, it's a story that we actually tell ourselves, but it's not real. And then on top of that, it's actually used by groups of people to actually exert powers on others, right? And there's many religious wars and horrible things like that that happened throughout the centuries and in truth still happen today. So because of that, I distanced myself uh, from any type of God or even concept of higher power for many, 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 many years. And... Um, for many years, uh, being agnostic or even atheist, atheist was actually part of my identity. Just to give you an idea, my roommate when I lived in London in the UK was actually the president of the Atheist Society of the United Kingdom. Just to give you an idea, right? That's, that's the type of people that I hang out with. And, um, and so coming to the program and, and this idea of God or higher power, to me, in truth, was like, what? higher power god seriously and then i had to work on it i really had to work on it and um, the reality is that having worked on it i actually faked it for a long time until i made it has actually helped me greatly i have to say i don't believe in an arbitrary god i don't think that god is here to favor me or my feelings or the outcomes of anything that I do in any way, shape, or form. God, however, I conceive it as harmony, as conceived, conceived God as the universe. And the more I am in sync with that harmony, with the universe, the better my life will actually be. And I don't know, you probably remember this sentence that was said many, many years ago, you know, ask not what America can do for you, ask what you can do for America. I think a little bit like that, you know, ask not what God can do for me, ask what I can actually do for God. Yeah. And the manifestation of God is really other people, my friends, my family, my kids, my parents, strangers, 
you know, it's what, what can I do for other people? Excuse me, and Vincent, then, five left. All right, thank you, Melissa. And the interesting thing is that the more I do for other people, the better I feel. The better I feel, the less I actually need to go back and eat. And it's not just that I, I don't need to eat, it's that I don't even think about food. It doesn't actually rule my life anymore. You know, it's, 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 it's incredible. And it's because the diseases in my mind, is cunning, baffling, powerful. I think it's actually flexing its muscles in there while it's actually not, it's exercising while it's actually not controlling you. But because of that, I have to actually get out of my own mind. And getting out of my own mind is actually conferring with my higher power. And the name of my higher power, by the way, is the right thing. So you have one, you know, thing one, thing two, and the right thing. So my higher power is actually the right thing. And, and I always think, you know, am I actually doing the right thing? And if I am, I'm going to actually be better. As a person, I'm going to be better in the program. I'm just generally going to be better. And by the way, I'm very far from perfect. Yeah. And that's why every day I have a practice and I end my day by, by doing my 10th step, which is, you know, talking to my sponsor and telling him the things that in truth I could have done better. Right. And lots of other things like my gratitude and so on. Okay. So now I want to talk about, uh, as I said, about my family. Uh, I'm married uh, to a wonderful woman. We've been together for 26 years, as I said, which is crazy because it feels like it hasn't been like that long at all. Uh, we have two kids, a daughter, she's almost 13, a son who's actually 11. They're wonderful kids. And um, I remember before joining the program, uh, and it gives me no pleasure whatsoever to say this, I remember sending an email to a friend and I said to her, she didn't have any kids. And I said to her something like, makes me ashamed to say it now. I said, having kids is overrated. And I think that parents only say how wonderful it is to have kids because it's a bit of a sunk cost. Yeah, because since they have them, how are they going to say that in reality, they are hard work, they are nuisance and a few other things. And uh, the reason it shames me it's because it was a very, very selfish email. It was very selfish, but it reflected my thoughts at the time. Being a parent is not easy. It really is not. Well, I mean, if somebody thinks being a parent is easy, then maybe I should be taking lessons from them. Uh, but it, it really is not easy. Now, there's nothing in life that's worth anything that's easy. Almost by definition, something that's easy is not going to be worth much to you. And um, the wonderful thing about having kids is that they will be, for the most part, particularly in the early years, they're going to be a reflection of what you actually put in them. And the more love you put, the better you treat them, the fairer you actually are, the more you keep your composture, no matter how difficult the situation is, the better it's going to be for them. And I have to say that one of the totally unexpected side effects of the program has been that by doing the right thing, I actually very, 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 very much think, am I doing the right thing with my kids? And sometimes doing the right thing may be just simply 
playing soccer with my son for 15 minutes. Yeah, before I came into this room, that's what I was actually doing because he's here, you know, there's no friends with him and I know the kid needs an outlet. So he loves playing soccer with me. And you know what? Playing soccer is fantastic because it keeps me active. You know, it actually means I'm spending time with my son and, and other things. But is it the easiest thing to do? No, it would be a lot easier to actually sit down and read or watch TV or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, and this is maybe a silly example. There are other examples that are maybe more uh, more difficult, but whether it's actually with the small things like playing a little soccer or when my daughter cries, for example, I'm not gonna go to her and try to fix it all. Yeah, I know better than that now. And what she first needs is she actually needs a hug. I mean, need to be there no matter how silly I actually think it is, right? Because sometimes, you know, like seriously, it's like you can you can actually make up drama out of thin air. It's like unbelievable. It's like a magic power, right? But I may think that I don't say that because it would be devastating. So what I do instead is I go, I hug her, and it's like a miracle. Three, four, five minutes later, she comes down and she's wonderful, right? And how do I feel? I feel much better, right? So the program, I'm going to finish with this. Excuse me, that's your time. All right, thank you. So the program has actually helped me to actually do things better in many different aspects of my life. Thank you so much, Melissa.